Chuck and Ange back with you now. Time now for our Focus on Faith segment here on the Notre Federal Credit Union Irish Football Fix. And you got the chance to talk with one of the few men who have won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I, You know, over the years I've been blessed to be able to interview a lot of the former Notre Dame Heisman Trophy winners, whether it's the late Johnny Latner, or Johnny Lujak and Johnny Latner for that matter, and, and, and Tim Brown certainly a, a number of times. And this is kind of from our Focus on Faith archives. It comes from my old radio show at Redeemer Radio from two years ago. In six years of doing this faith-based Notre Dame interview, this is the one that stands out more than anything. Not just because it's with a Heisman Trophy winner, that helps, right? Yeah. Also, but because of really the brutal honesty that Tim gives about his vices in life and how he overcame overcame them to start doing, as he said, God's will. Uh, Tim, of course, Notre Dame's last Heisman Trophy winner in 1987, college football Hall of Famer, pro football Hall of Famer, talks about his life journey through faith from being a kid to having five girlfriends at one point while he was in the NFL to God telling him to get his act together to how to handle being a man of God in the NFL, and finally finding his wife and how much of a difference that was in his life. Outstanding conversation. If you've never heard it, it's very moving. If you have heard it, it's always worth hearing again. Here's Focus on Faith with Tim Brown. All right, Tim, first of all, thanks for joining us here today. I've interviewed you a ton of times over the years, but we never got a chance to to talk about faith and happy to be able to do that with you now. Take us back, Tim, to to your maybe starts, your roots as a kid and and how important faith was in your family growing up. Man, look, um, I um, I grew up in church, brother. I mean, I was born and raised in church. And when I say that, I mean that because Wednesday night, Friday night, all day Sunday, we were in church. But it was something that I really enjoyed because, um, first of all, I was playing, you know, percussions or playing the. We didn't have drums, so we had a drum. So I played the drum <laughs> when, when I was six, seven years old at at the church, and um, so I was um, I was always always eager to go, you know, to be able to, to do that. So, um, so it was just a part of my life, man. I mean, and to be honest with you, as I got older. And realized that a lot of kids didn't go to church uh, like I did. You know, I couldn't figure out if I was weird or if they were weird. But I knew there was a difference between my life and and the life of, of some of these kids that I was I was interacting with. I know you're not Catholic, but did Notre Dame and your faith life play a factor in your decision to go to Notre Dame, or did that not really have a factor in any way? Um, certainly a faith-based, um, you know, uh, school was something that we were looking for, but, you know, I mean, I think my parents and everyone around just liked the fact that we were, um, we were looking at a university that did things different. Right. And, um, and certainly I believe that's because of it being faith-based that it is, you know, that they do do things differently. So I think from that standpoint, it played a part, but didn't play a part, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. No, that makes sense. And then you kind of said, you know, you weren't sure if you were the weird one or if others were the weird ones. And then almost in everyone's faith journey, probably around those times, you know, you kind of lose your way. When did when did you start maybe not not living the faith life as well as you would have liked? When did that kind of start for you, Tim? Um, well, certainly, you know. You know what uh, <laughs> they used to call them little fast tail girls. 
you know, you know, you, you get, you get, you get, uh, you get somebody whispering in your ear, man, that, uh, that, uh, things that, uh, <clears throat> you've never heard before and you get your boys, you know, on you about, you know, not, not having been with the woman, then it, it becomes tough, man. It becomes tough to, you got, you got a woman on one hand challenging you and you got your boys on the other hand challenging you and you know it, it becomes very difficult and you know unfortunately for me <clears throat> you know that happened at a relatively young age and uh you know and um and you know you realize wow th this wasn't so bad you know and you know you sort of you know continue that lifestyle and you know you get to the point where all of a sudden now you're sitting in california with a pocket full of money you got all these beautiful women around you and it becomes an issue, you know, it becomes a real issue. You know, I, I never drank alcohol in my life. I never smoked a joint in my life, you know, wasn't really a, a partying guy per se. I certainly enjoyed my time, you know, but, uh, you know, I wasn't one that was going to stay up three or four o'clock in the morning partying and doing all that kind of stuff. But, you know, but I had some issues that I was dealing with, man. And uh, so and it became tougher because the, the situation I was in became easier to to manipulate not only myself but other people um and um so from that standpoint it just um uh from 16 to i was about 25 man i was just really going through it and um and when i was about 25 that's when i realized that i had to i had to you know start doing things differently and this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. I'm Angel DiCarlo. You're listening to a Focus on Faith classic with the legendary former Heisman Trophy winner from Notre Dame, Tim Brown, that originally aired two years ago on my old radio show on Redeemer Radio. Tim taking us through his faith journey. You mentioned at 25, what clicked? What changed? What happened that you realized it's time to, to stop acting the way I'm acting and, and, and be, become closer to God again? I never forget, man. I was in my tri-level tri condo in Manhattan Beach, California. I was brushing my teeth. I looked in the mirror, mirror, and it's like I just heard the spirit say, Tim Brown, when are you going to do my will? And I mean, almost to the point where I, I felt like I almost dropped my toothbrush, right? Because I felt like I, I almost heard an audible voice, you know. But it's like it, the spirit was saying to me, when are you going to do my will? And I literally was, you know, trying to justify, hey, I'm a great guy. You know what I mean? I got five girlfriends, but I treat them all well. You know what I mean? And, you know, I don't do this. I don't do that. And constantly what I heard was, when are you going to do my will? It was just a moment that I just had to go, wow, okay. And and look, I, I'm not trying to tell you that once I heard that, you know, I went cold turkey and, you know, it was a process. It was a process of elimination. And, um, you know, I think I had to, you know, come to grips with where I was in, in my faith walk and where I was in reality, you know, with, with, you know, with the situation that I had at hand. And but it, it's just amazing how God, you know, eliminated this this person and that person. And, you know, it, it was just, you know, a pretty, pretty wild how all that happened, you know. So to the point where, you know, two or three years later, you know, I was I was in a position where I could say, OK, I'm ready. I'm really ready to do this right now. 
Okay, when you say, when are you going to do my will, and that's what you're hearing, how did you then take that message to do God's will? Well, you know, because what 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 was implied was that what you're doing right now is not my will. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so what I, I knew growing up in church, exactly what that meant. You know, the man that I was supposed to be, you know, the... Uh, the leader that I was supposed to be, you know, what I mean, and at this time I had a son already. Um, so who was, you know, three, four years old, three years old. So um, so I knew that, um, you know, I should be doing things differently with my life. And the hard thing for, for, for a person like me, when you grow up in church and you've been and you've heard a million messages and you read the Bible through and through, you know. You know exactly. So it wasn't a matter of me having to go, oh, I have to let me figure out what this is all about. I knew exactly what I need to do. But trying to I always felt like if I tried to like, okay, everybody leave and I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing that anymore. Never, never, ever again. Then, you know, it would be one of those situations where you do it too fast. And all of a sudden you go, wait, what did I do? But I think the way that God did things for me during that time um, even, you know, I, I got saved two weeks before I met my wife, two weeks. And I really believe that. And no, 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 no I got to tell you the story. My, one of my teammates, God rest his soul, Chester McLaughlin passed away at 42 years old at, and back in 2011, Chester McLaughlin met my wife a year and a half before I met her. Right now, when he met her on a Friday night, because she lived in the same apartment complex as she that he did, they had this this community deal that she cooked the food and all this kind of stuff. He came in Saturday morning and told me, "I met your wife last night." I met your wife. Yes. <laughs> he told me I met your wife last night, and I was like, "Is that right?" He was like, "Yes, yeah, she's a beautiful girl. She's a Christian girl. You know, she's a great cook." And da da da. And I was like, "Hold up, bro." I said, if she's all that, why are you not, you know, he was like, man, she's too good for me. So <laughs> he said, she's too good for me. And the only reason I didn't meet her before is because I didn't trust. I was like, Chet, are you, I know you. And there's no way a girl is going to be this fine or this whatever. And you're not trying to. And he just kept laughing like, Tim, I'm telling you, I don't want to I don't want to go around this girl. That's how, you know, she is like, you know, the she's like God. And, and, and like, like, like we're looking at God or something. You know what I mean? You know, when we see her, everybody's like, just leave her alone. Just leave her alone. Let her do her thing. She cooks the food. She goes in the room. She let us do whatever. And she comes back out, cleans up and she's out. And I was like, bro, why are you lying to your boy like that? So, I mean, this was this went on for a year and a half almost. And uh, at his wedding, she comes walking in. I don't know it's her. I'm sitting with 20 football players, and everybody's like, oh, my God, look at that girl. Da-da-da. You know, that's the one. That's the one. And uh, he ha- he just happened to have us sitting together at the table at his reception. We hit it off, da-da-da, this and that. And I'm leaving early because the next day is my mom's birthday. I'm going home on a red eye from California. And I go up to him and say, man, I'm out of here. I was like, dude, this, this girl is Sharice. I was like, man, if I'd have met her six months ago, we'd be having a double wedding right now. And he literally grabbed me by the collar and was like, boy, that's the girl I've been trying to get you to meet for a year and a half. So, you know, uh, but I wasn't ready, man. Uh, my mindset was not not there. I would have probably been trying to play the same games on her that I was doing with everybody else. 
And, uh, but thankfully, you know, um, you know, during that time, that little two week period, you know, gave me a chance to look at things differently. What an awesome story. Thanks for sharing that one, Tim. And this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Football Fix. You're listening to a Focus on Faith classic with the legendary Tim Brown. How then did your faith then help you in the in the locker room, you know, to try to translate that with your teammates? I read something that you were saying it helped being really good at football that people would listen to you uh, uh, more because yeah. you, you were one of the you were the top. You were the man. You were the guy in the locker room. Yeah, you know, I, I think the first thing, the biggest mistake I, I believe Christian athletes make is they believe that they're called to go into a locker room and and thump the Bible, be a Bible thumper, as we call them. And um, and I, I believe that is the biggest mistake that that Christian athletes can make um, because guys are not sweating and doing all that, especially in the NFL locker room. You're not doing everything you do on the football field to come into a locker room and, and hear, hear that, you know what I mean? And um, so I believe that you have to draw people to you or be drawn to people in order for you to be effective because otherwise, you know, people, when you come around, people are going to be like, Oh, here you come, here you come, whatever, whatever. Well, my situation, you know, I felt bad because the locker room was is a rowdy place, right? I mean, I, I tell people some of the more more damnable things happen in a locker room, and at the same time, I believe that you can solve world peace in an NFL locker room, uh, you know. But you know, you you have to be sometimes careful about what you say and what you do. Uh, but in, in certain situations, you know, I felt like you know for years I had brought a lot of the calamity into to the locker room and now all of a sudden i'm trying to take it out right and how am i going to do that and still keep my position as a captain as a as a leader of this football team and what i chose to do was to live my life you know because people didn't believe you everybody's like oh tim brown everybody tries to do this god thing uh but you know nobody nobody lasts you know so you know, I think for me, it was really just a matter of, uh, not just a matter, but I just said to myself, I'm going to live this thing the way I know how to live it. And whatever happens, happens. And uh, But at the same time, if my play would have ever dropped on the field, then everybody would have blamed it on, on, on that. They would, they would have blamed it on me because we had a couple guys, and I won't name any names, but we had guys who would, who all of a sudden were, were professing faith. You know, when they dropped the ball, they would be saying, oh, God didn't want me to catch that pass. <laughs> you know, when they fumbled the ball, well, God wanted me to fumble. You know, it's like, hold up, bro. You know, God, God, is, not, God is not in all that. You know what I mean? But uh, and I, I just thought that that was the wrong way and that was not the 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 right way to to represent, you know, your your faith anyway. So I chose not to do that. I chose to stay quiet, live my life, let people see what I was doing. And it took it took a while. It took over a season for it to happen. But you, you saw guys start to pull me over. Hey, man, you know, whatever you're doing. It's, it's much different than, than I saw this guy do or that guy do or this, this guy. So let me know what's going on. Can we can we talk? Can I come over to your house? You know, and all, and I started to get those kind of kinds of uh, conversations with guys going, you know, younger guys coming into the league like Tim Brown. 
man, I've never hurt you because you ain't never cursed in your life. I used to curse coaches out, players out, my teammates out, certainly referees. I curse them out all the time, without a doubt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and he was like, man, I can't believe it. Well, that was my opportunity to to tell them, well, hey, God, God took all that away from me. You know, he, he took that, the, the feeling of wanting to curse somebody out, he just, he took all that away, you know, because I asked him to take it away from me, you know what I mean? And, and now you get, you get to have these real deep conversations, man. I'm 38 years old. You got guys coming into the league, 21, 22, I can almost be their dad, you know what I mean? And um, so having the opportunity to, to show guys, you can play this game at a high, high level and still serve God was something that uh, I felt very proud of, proud of when I walked away from the game. You've been married almost uh, 25 years now. Uh, you have a bunch of great kids. How do you live your life now, Tim, as that role model for your children to, to, to be a man of God? You have to keep living, man. I mean, even even when it seems like there's a good time for you to say something that is that is out of line or whatever, you, you always have to be godly. You know, you always have to approach every situation because the one thing I know is my my 18 year old son who just called me a second ago while we on this call, um, he's looking, he's watching, and I know that because when I hear him talk to other people. He'll talk about what his dad does and what his dad doesn't do, you know, and I, I was uh, in, in a situation with him. I was at a baseball game and I was talking to a guy to the right and he was talking to a guy to the left and I finished talking to the guy to the right. And I was just, you know, watching the baseball game, but I'm listening to him talk, man. And the guy was like, you hey, little Timmy, you, you seem to be so composed. Da, 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 this and, that. and he was like, well, my dad does that. Da, 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 da. And my dad didn't do that. You know what I mean? And I was like, wow. You know what I mean? And this was six months ago. And, it, it, you know, it was just one of those things that makes you go, wow, you know, they are really watching you. They're watching everything that you do. So because I, I have the background and I know what to do, how to do it and all this kind of things, uh, all those kind of things, you know, it hasn't been a very difficult because I'm not searching for where God wants me to be or what I need to do because I know those things. I was taught those things at an early age. And it's just something that you have to be always cognizant of because, you know, not only your family, but, you know, people around them, they're always watching. Tim, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. A terrific interview. I remember a few years ago, we were fortunate enough to have Tim on the old Harvest Show on uh, WHME, and he was very candid and open in that interview, too. I mean, I, I think that's the thing I like about Tim is the fact that as successful as he has been, there are no errors about him. He does not come into a room as though he is the Heisman Trophy winner and the Hall of Famer and somebody that deserves all your respect, he kind of comes in like the guy that wants to sit in the back row of church on Sunday because, well, he feels he's as much of a sinner as anybody else in the room. I also thought it was interesting how he explained how he knew he had to continue being one of the best players in the league after he people started realizing, here's a man of God, because he didn't want that to be an excuse as to why he was no longer an elite player is, oh, Tim's kind of, he didn't say this word, but 
gone soft right. by, by finding God or whatever. So he knew that was important, but also that he wanted to kind of lead by example and not push it down people's throats as well in the locker room, which was an interesting take because um, it just – I think he has a very good look at on how we can take that and lead our lives in, in a certain way. And it, it was very interesting to hear. It, it was just very impactful. And, and the story about how he found his wife is just – is really is really outstanding, and I really enjoyed talking to Tim. Uh, I, like I said at the beginning, I talked to Tim so many times over the years, but uh, that was the first chance I got to talk about faith, and I'm happy we were able to share it with everyone again. Good stuff there, and one of the reasons we feel that uh, this show sets apart a little bit from the other Notre Dame shows out there because of our focus on faith segments. With Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, our online banking and mobile app are like having a branch right at your fingertips and with everything you need to use and manage your accounts 24-7. Hi, I'm Diane Freeby of Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, inviting you to enjoy better banking where and when you want. Features include bill pay, money transfer, budgeting, early payday program, and much more. Check us out today at NotreDameFCU.com to learn more. Insured by NCUA.